Welcome to the Do One Better podcast, where every week I focus on philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi, and I hope you'll enjoy the podcast. Keep on listening if you want to improve the world. Hello, and welcome to the Do One Better podcast. I am Alberto Ligi, your host from London. And as many of you know, the purpose of our podcast today is to inspire our global listeners to be more philanthropic, to act more sustainably, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. And before we kick things off, if you're so inclined, please do subscribe. Press that little button on your iPhone or your Android device, subscribe, and it makes a huge difference for us in terms of our, uh, the visibility that people have in finding our show. And so it's, um, it's very much appreciated. And today it is a wonderful pleasure to welcome on board Richard Kingsbury, who is the general manager of PBS America in the UK, PBS's public broadcasting service. Our American listeners would know what that is, but many of our global listeners might not. And uh, Richard, someone I've known for almost 10 years, actually, I think it's about eight or seven years. We met at the US Embassy here in London, where PBS were doing a launch or private screening of the Jesse Owens story, which is a very enjoyable um, uh, piece of work. And uh, we've stayed in touch every once in a while, and it's uh, they're doing some great things. So, Richard, welcome on board. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Delighted to be here, Alberto. Thank you for the invite. Uh, not at all, not at all. Yeah. Really a pleasure. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, PBS in general? I think that'd be useful, especially for a non-American audience. Yeah, obviously, whenever I meet, um, I think PBS is an acronym, you know, the world's full of acronyms. In the, talk to Brits and PBS, PSB, you, you have to explain it. Whereas when you meet uh, Americans, PBS, they grew up with PBS. So it, it has, you know, it's it's kind of ingrained in the culture. Um, so for people who are not familiar, in you know, in the UK, we had the BBC um, for many, many years before commercial television came along. Whereas in, in the US, then they had commercial TV before public television came along. So public te- television came along in 1969. Um, and it has v- very clear objectives, um, which you could argue are, are philanthropic. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's, and they measure themselves on these objectives. So improving literacy is one objective, um, and they are the makers or they are the commissioners of Sesame Street, probably the most famous program. Yes, of course. Uh, but also, um, th- I think what PBS does, you know, with its news programming, current affairs programming, uh, PBS NewsHour and Frontline, is it hits their other objectives, which are about giving people an access to a variety of viewpoints, you know, in um, giving them. Um, awareness of important social and political issues um, and also they have you know science programming that is there to improve understanding of science and technology um, informing people about health issues and then they have um, history programming which is to you know, improve people's understanding of American history uh, and also arts and culture programming which is about kind of giving people wide access to those to those things so they measure themselves against those um, those objectives and PBS is very much people's local channel so there are uh, over 300 PBS channels around the US and they're all called different things 
and they 85% of their income actually comes from direct do- donation from the public. So people support their local PBS station, which is quite a remarkable um, business model. Right. Um, and, f- you know, 15% comes from the government. So obviously it's very different from the UK where where it's an obligatory um, license fee that people pay. Um, so it's, uh, you know, and and what's surprising about PBS is that is is just how trusted it is so that within they again they measure themselves in terms of trust against other institutions against commercial broadcasting and they are consistently the most trusted institution ahead of congress ahead of the law courts ahead of the press i think they're only just behind the military in terms of the trust that people have and that's really you know something that's across the board that's uh, you know both from both sides of the political divide um, because PBS are very sort of scrupulous about not being biased and giving giving air to viewpoints from both from all sides, really, so that people can kind of make up their own minds. Yeah, I mean, I have read that it is maybe ten consecutive years voted the most trusted institution in America. I lived in the U.S. for many years. I remember PBS being everywhere at the time. Maybe I didn't quite realize how many stations there were locally. And also in terms of your business model, I hadn't been acquainted with the notion of a TV license as we have here in the UK for the BBC. And I imagine in the US, there's no equivalent, right? I mean, so you have your nonprofit organization in the US, you generate, as you mentioned, uh, 80, 85% of your income through philanthropic donations. Mm. And so you've been founded in 1969. And some of the shows, many of the shows actually that you have here uh, Nova on Science, Frontline for Current Affairs, uh, The American Experience in History, all of this educational TV, I, you know, I find it very high quality and good family entertainment as well. When did, um, when did PBS decide to branch out to expand beyond the borders of the U.S.? And, and when did you find yourself here in terms of um, uh, trying to make that a reality? Yeah, I joined, I joined PBS in 2011. So at the time I was working at UK TV, which is has a range of channels which um, exploit the BBC archive, but also make their own programs. And I was running the Good Food channel and the channel called Yesterday, which is a history channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, while I was there, so I was brought on board at the time when they thought, okay, we're going to launch this. So I wasn't so involved in the in the thinking behind launching it i was i was brought in really to kind of get the job done to actually uh, start from start a channel from scratch um and we had you know we had a uh, we had a, a, just a few months really to get everything together in terms of you know commercial deals and getting the team together getting the programming ready getting the identity for the channel so it was uh, it was quite a it was quite a scramble very exciting time um and you know i learned a huge amount from from that experience What's it like running a TV channel? That's something that people read about, but I just wonder, what's it like running a TV channel? It's wonderful. It's it's it's. It, it wasn't until I was in my late thirties, really, that I discovered my the job that was for me, which is really running channels. I was a, a marketing guy um, in my early career for Unilever, marketing various food brands like Coleman's mustard and Lipton Yellow Label tea, mm-hmm. uh, and then I moved into TV with UK TV. Um, marketing those channels, um, and then I had the opportunity to actually run. I think it was a drama channel that I first ran, uh, and I love it's the mixture of commercial and creative. That on the one hand, 
you know, you have a you have a budget to spend on trying to find the best programs you can for the budget you can afford, and and making sure that you're keeping the channel alive and and vibrant in terms of new programming, um, but also thinking about thinking about I suppose this is where the marketing comes in. Just thinking about where does my channel sit in people's kind of diet of mm-hmm. of TV watching. What 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 am I here for? Um, if 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 I was switched off tomorrow, what would people miss? And you 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 kind of got to find your place in the in the world, uh, and and it, really with PBS because PBS has got very diverse output from news to kids programs to science, history, arts, lifestyle, and we had to I had to kind of work out what what where we fitted really what was what was what was going to because in the UK obviously we are spoilt with some fantastic public service programming from the likes of you know the bbc and uh, and channel 4 and itv so it's it's uh, it's a tough market to come into so really so it's uh, it's yeah i i love that i i couldn't hope for a better job to, uh, to be honest yeah where does pbs sit here then in terms of your audience who, who is your audience and um where, where do you fit in i guess how are you positioned in the uk yeah i think what we found quite quickly that that certain genres weren't working for us so we struggled to to get news to work because there's a whole section of news channels we struggle to get children's to work because there's a whole section of children's channels with those things you've got to be devoted to them and 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 the programming that did work and did did repeat well was a lot of the history documentaries so there's Mm -hmm. the great documentary maker ken burns uh lynn novick who've made some amazing series monothematic series about american life and american history um and also there's the american experience strand but also some of the front lines the current affairs there are certain issues whether it's um you know gun control or or race relations that that do actually interest a, a british audience and so really it's that mixture of mainly history but with some current affairs with a strong american flavor that works well mm-hmm. um and we've 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 found an audience who are uh an older audience um it's a fairly male skewing channel um but there's an audience out there there are people who want to relax but they want to learn at the same time for them learning is really important it's part of who they are really they, they they're people that never want to stop learning uh and if they watch a program they, they want to f- having finished that program they want to feel that they've actually picked something up mm-hmm. and, I, and pbs programming is is quite dense with uh, information and insight so it, it they 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 really love it i guess the um I mean, what you said resonates with me in terms of my intuition, right? If I were to, my conjecture would be there are a lot of people here who would probably be attracted to the whole Americana thing and just getting a flavor for what's going on in the U.S. And I think with the American experience, you do that well. And then I guess also, particularly if you have your eye on U.S. politics, you want some impartial um, coverage. And it's really very difficult, I think, to get that. Even from some of the bigger brands, it just seems they all have some sort of agenda somehow whereas pbs personally when i view it or go to the website i feel a little bit reassured that i think okay i i'm reading something here that is as impartial as can possibly be keeping in mind that you have human editors but still yeah i, th- I think PB- pbs have found i haven't got the numbers but i think uh, the pbs news hour is doing particularly well at the moment so P- even in in america i think viewers 
maybe uh, some of some of them are are a little bit tired of the very partial kind of broadcasting that can can you can see on some channels and PBS. You know the, the the pundits there. They they try and mix them up so you have conservative and liberal pundits and uh, and the frontline documentaries are quite obsessive about making sure that both sides of an argument are reflected mm-hmm. and then al- allowing the viewer really to sort of take that information and decide what they think. So I think I think uh, I think there's a growing role for this actually, and I think with social media. And this is what we found out in our research with, you know, social media is kind of narrowing our perspective. Okay. And it's, it's, it's creating, we create a bubble around ourselves with people that think the same as us and actually public media like this that exposes people to all sides of a debate is, has a real value. Um, and I think people, you know, it's, it's for broad minded people who, who are willing to have their, preconceptions challenged but i think i think i think pbs's documentaries um do do really kind of provide that how can you overcome that challenge i've heard a lot about this sort of eco chamber you know where if you're in social media you are very much listening and reading and interacting with people who are like-minded and you can't get away from the fact that you need to interact on social media channels in some respect i imagine how do you overcome that how do you tell people there's more than just your immediate circle I think it's hard because I th- I think almost Facebook and uh, understand what our weak points are, what our biases are in terms of they you know they, they can see people using platforms like that can see how 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 people react and they can see what might trigger people um, and I think you know as individuals it's just about having a healthy skepticism mm-hmm. and actually when you see something that confirms everything you believe about a particular issue. Uh, then actually thinking, well, is this actually true? What do I? Because often, often stories are then revealed the next day to be not true, right. um, and that can be a bit embarrassing. So I think I think it's 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 being skeptical, um, googling things. Um, I think you know. So, so I, I think also it's about picking, actually selecting voices that you don't agree with. And obviously you, you, the, the, there's some extreme voices that will just annoy, annoy you. And maybe that's not good, but to having m- people who moderately disagree with you that are not, you know, that are different voices in your feed just exposes you to, to different opinions. I, th- I just, I don't think it's healthy just to question yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think, um, you know, in, in terms of, we do use a bit of social media. We have, um, um, an email, uh, newsletter that goes out every week to viewers, which which has all the highlights. So we're not experts at social media by any means. So you know, really, it's we're we're, we're shopkeepers, I suppose, in the sense of of giving people a, a nice selection of of programs that uh, that you know will broaden their minds and tell them something they didn't know. Yeah, in the UK, most people consume your content through. Virgin, Sky, Amazon, My5, are those the main TV channels, I guess, that, through which people consume? Yes, we're on Sky, on Virgin, we're on uh, Freeview, Channel 91, although not in, we're, we're in about 70% of the country for that. Um, and then we have an Amazon channel, but that's a subscription channel. Mm-hmm. And then we also we also have uh, content that you can watch free, ad-funded on, on the My5, which is uh, Viacom's catch-up service. When the channel was launched... Paula Kerger, who's the president of PBS, talked about 
the fact that we get our view of America and the UK from Hollywood primarily and from the news. It might be, you know, a few minutes on the news, Mm -hmm. which is often, you know, the, the more sensational aspects of America. And I think there is, there is a more, um, there is there's an America beyond that, I suppose, that people don't see. Um, and I think PBS gives you those in-depth real-life stories, whether from today or from the past, that give a much more rounded picture of, of what America's like. Is that part of the PBS remit, if you will, or stated or, or, or informally in terms of being some sort of ambassadorial platform showcasing the best of the u.s to to the global audience i think yeah i think i think there is a cultural you know there is a cultural exchange there and pbs themselves broadcasts a lot of british drama mm-hmm. to to the to the u.s market so in a way this is this is uh, programming coming the other way so i think there is a a nice cultural story there about um giving a different view of america um to british viewers you know, as well as there being, frankly, you know, a commercial objective um, these days to make your programming budget go further, then you've got to look at different ways of monetizing it, whether it's or, or getting funding, whether it's co-productions. A lot of PBS programs are co-produced with, you know, the BBC or Channel 5 or ITV, Channel 4. Uh, also, programs they make for the U.S. market will be sold around the world to other public broadcasters because they're they're topics at the moment. They've got the a lot of space programming. Obviously, uh, chasing the moon, a new a new uh, series that's going to come onto the BBC, which is a PBS production. So, um, and, and a channel having having a channel is another way of 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 making money out of your content that can then feed back into. The, the the pot for for making original programming so it's uh, so there's there's a com- it's a commercial venture as well mm-hmm. and so you mentioned a little bit the revenue split in the u.s 85 percent being sort of philanthropic income and, and 15 funding from the government in the uk is that reflected as well or is the income generation the business model somewhat different when we launched the channel it um well the channel is a joint venture uh, between pbs uh, distribution and also a Canadian philanthropist um, who actually was a big PBS fan. He he had his uh, he was based in the UK and was wanted to see PBS launch here. And he approached PBS um, and persuaded them that it would be a good idea to 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 launch here and and ha- and helped provide you know some of the initial funding for that. Um, uh, sadly, he died last year, but so, so it, it was nice in a way that. Um, you know the channel was 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 in good shape, um, and the, you know, so there is there is a legacy here from from his you know his his philanthropy. Who are you at liberty to disclose who he was? Yes, he was called David Lyons. He was a, a Canadian um, entrepreneur in the sort of energy sector. He was a big believer in 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 social entrepreneurship. So mm-hmm. he you know he 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 a lot of his work was in Africa, and he had a number of uh, enterprises there, whether it was you know, biofuel or education. Um, so he, he, he just loved, uh, business, but loved business, the idea of business with a purpose. And, and, you know, so this is part of his legacy, I guess. Oh, that's very noble indeed. Is there PBS, PBS UK equivalent in Australia or South Africa or elsewhere? Or is this an outlier is PBS generally in the U S and then it just so happens that we have something in the UK and that's pretty much it as far as the global footprint is concerned. It's yeah. The U.S. the UK is the only uh, PBS channel outside the U.S. 
Um, so that's not to say that one day there won't be channels elsewhere. I think you know the, cha- the channel market we find is quite saturated pretty much everywhere. So it's 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 a it's it's it can be risky to launch channels. You know, in smaller territories, we whether in terms of covering covering your costs. So, um, but you know, who knows? Um, but at the moment, we are we are the only ones. So I guess if there are any philanthropists listening to this and they're so inclined to bring this to a different market, then they're the ones who should be raising their hand and getting in touch with you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you've heard it here first. And let me ask you, in terms of the sort of the corporate strategy, and um, what does success look like to you in, in five or ten years' time? What is it that keeps you awake, or you're most excited about, or even possibly concerned about? I think what I love about running a channel is just the just the 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 pace of it. I suppose that every every morning at now about nine thirty five, you get an email through with the overnights, which is is how your channel has done the previous day by 15 minute segments so you can see which programs did well which programs didn't do well so every day you learn something every day you get a number which indicates how you've done against other ch- you can see how other channels have done as well um and that's uh and i love it you know because you learn you know you, you learn okay that didn't work what, what 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 why did that not work that worked why did that work can we get more like that um uh, you know what what is this telling us about what the audience are looking for what's worked well on other channels so it's uh it's it, it's really fascinating and then at the same time you're watching programs you know all day every day looking for for new programs that you think might fit the bill do they fit the channel is this is is uh, is is this good enough is the quality good enough to, for the channel so it's i think it's like being a boxer in a way you just every, you've got to be throwing punches the whole time mm-hmm. as soon as you take as soon as you have a you know you stop then uh the world overtakes you you know other channels will overtake you so it's uh you can never you can never relax i think really it's about you know the the it's about getting enough scale for the channel really to be um to be comfortable uh, and also to think about you know we don't currently make any programs ourselves one day it would be lovely to 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 be able to start to do that um so that would be yeah that would be a longer term uh, objective i guess in terms of the scale are you are you viable right now or is it still something that well you know it's a bit touch and go yeah, no, we are we we are absolutely viable at the moment. Um, but you you as I said, you can't relax. You know, just because you had a great night last night, <laughs> today could be a disaster. So you 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 have to just uh, you uh, you know, and, and if you, if you have a bad day, then 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 the following day might may be great. So you you can't overreact to 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 that. Um, but it's about the long the longer term trend. It's up you will have ups and downs depending on what the competition has on you know of, often the smaller factual channels will do well if people are dissatisfied with what's on the main channels um so what you you know people have a small portfolio of channels in their heads of their favorite channels so when if they they normally look at the main channels first have a look at that if, if there's nothing on there that they particularly grabs them they might then head off to the sports channels or or the documentary channels or the or the food channels, whatever, whatever they fancy, really. So, the idea is to be what you want to be is to be one of those channels that people go to next, I suppose, after checking out the big ones. The li- linear viewing is still huge, um, and you know, on de- I think on demand viewing 
supplements that and possibly for younger viewers it will become possibly the dominant way of of consuming content through apps and um you know through streaming Uh, but linear you know we we haven't really seen the effect of that on us in terms of our linear audiences are still very robust but we also have quite a successful dvd business which i know again is 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 kind of quite uh, may may sound old a bit old fashioned. Old school. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of the big box sets. You know, the Vietnam War was a phenomenal series, um, that, that, and that that has sold an awful lot on on DVD. At, you know, at, at high prices because it's such a you know it cost thirty million dollars to make. It took ten years to make it. So it's a masterpiece. So some of these big series do well on DVD because people like to to have them have them on their shelf or or gift or have them as gifts. So uh, again, that's kind of a bit of a blast in the past, but yeah, the DVD business is, is another way of, of, of getting programming to people. Is there much by way of you engaging with the uh, sort of American expat community here in the UK? We do, uh, you know, as, as you came along to one of our US embassy screenings, we did, at the start, certainly, we uh, when we launched the channel for the first few years, we, we had a number of events at the, at the US embassy and... Um, the thing for us is that uh, the way t- TV audiences are measured, they're measured by a thing called the Barb Panel, which which is around, I think it's around 5,000 individual homes that have a box that measures what they are watching. And that that determines, that is the currency, that determines the viewing. You know, they extrapolate from that the viewing for each channel nationally. So um, it can mean that, you know, it's a small sample so you know you can get anomalies, um, but one thing is that the bar panel, I believe, don't um, include expats. So if expats were huge fans of PBS, which they, I'm sure they are, we wouldn't actually get any credit for that in terms of um, audience share. So um, so it's a nice, you know, we do. Uh, it's 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 a nice re- uh, resource for for expats. We do get emails from expats and we meet them. But it's it's not we can't really focus on them because that won't pay the bills, unfortunately. You know, when we launched the channel, you know, we there were certainly when we did research, there were certainly viewers who felt that British factual programming was just so superior that anything American could not compete. Uh-huh. Um, and then there are others who are much more kind of open minded and willing to give it a try, um, willing to watch you know stories that they're not familiar with. So, you know, but we are, you know, if, if it, it, we are a niche channel and so very happy, you know, there are enough, there are enough people out there who, who, who are willing to, you know, watch American stories. You're probably finding that there's an increase of awareness for PBS in the UK over this last decade. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and PBS is strands, you know, Ken Burns, um, and Linovic who, who make some of the big, the big series, uh, certainly, we, we've actually got a Ken Burns Day coming up on the mm-hmm. 29th of July. So we've actually um, we've got we've curated we've had a curated day uh, of of, of uh, an entire day of, of of Ken Burns documentaries that's been curated for you know that, that covers the the whole breadth of American history um, to coincide with his birthday. So um, and certainly in terms of press interest, there's. There is some there, and, uh, and an increasing. I think the, something like the Vietnam War was getting a big rate. You know, six, six, seven hundred thousand viewers on BBC Four. So I think that really helped to, you know, establish 
kind of his reputation as a as a documentary maker so that that has been a, a benefit to us as you know the the do one better podcast it's about inspiring people to be more philanthropic and act more sustainably and embrace social entrepreneurship and um what's the key takeaway if you wanted to leave our audience with one key takeaway what would that be I think it's just about the value of public media, you know, about they talk about bringing light to issues and not heat. There's so much heat in the world at the moment around certain issues, you know, in, in politics and, you know, public media, you know, and it's easy sometimes, you know, if it's an incumbent broadcaster, uh, sort of the public public uh, television, it's easy to take a pop because we, we don't think they're reflecting our views um, and we should, I, th I just think, take a step back and, and appreciate what public media can do the, and the power of it to, you know, it, to inform people and uh, allow people to come to informed opinions about things uh, and, and make, you know, sort of sensible, rational decisions when it comes to the ballot box or, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, that would be, you know, so, so I'd say, you know, for philanthropists, you know, to, to look at public media because it's, we need it more than ever. So are you actively fundraising? Is that um, if, if somebody's listening to this and, and is thinking about different things that they might be able to uh, support philanthropically, would this be one of these things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not to be honest. It's not something we're kind of actively going after. But mm -hmm. it's but uh, since I'm here, <laughs> I you know you know we we it, I, I think it's definitely an area in which which um, you know philanthropic contributions can make a make a make a go a long way. Sure. What's the best way of somebody getting a hold of you? I know you're on LinkedIn, and uh, but if somebody's listening to this and they think, well, I either have a, a couple of follow-up questions or I'd like to speak with Richard um, about supporting PBS or, or anything else about PBS, what's the best way of somebody getting in touch? Well, I'll be bold, Alberto. My email is richard at pbs.co.uk. Um, so very happy to, to uh, converse with anyone. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And for our viewers, anyways, just to let you know, as is always the case, we do have episode notes where I'll recap uh, everything we've been speaking about today, uh, put some relevant links to, um, to, to PBS and to Richard's uh, social media channels as well. And if you want to get a hold of all of that, just go to our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. And you can get a hold of uh, bios of the guests, episode notes, relevant links. And before we wrap things up, again, please do subscribe to this podcast. It makes a huge difference. It takes one second. Uh, just press the little subscribe button on your phone, and the rest is done for you. Richard, it's, uh, it's really been um, enlightening speaking with you today, and I thank you very much for your time. I know you're very busy, uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. My pleasure, Alberto. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic, to think more about sustainability, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully, these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better. <music>